Woody Womack joined by Mike Farrell for our weekly podcast. Mike, a lot of stuff going on. Very exciting. Uh, not very exciting. Will Muschamp, who according to my Twitter feed is one of the best people ever. He, <laughs> he loses his job this week, which is not, it's not funny, but I just, I just thought it was unusual. I hadn't seen, I'd never heard the, uh, he's a great guy thing until this week, all of a sudden. Um, yeah. I think it's a good thing for South Carolina. And I, I tweeted that. And then some South Carolina fans said, oh, this is the way the national media does is, you know, it's a good thing when we fire our coach. I'm like, yeah, you guys are two and five. You stink. Your coach is a defensive coach. Your defense is awful. Your offense has been horrible. You're four and eight last year. You're not going anywhere. Like it was a bad hire to start with. You know, um, they interviewed, uh, I think they interviewed Kirby. They wanted Fuente, remember? They wanted Fuente. They, they interviewed Lincoln Riley and said, you're not quite ready, son. Um, and then they go to Muschamp, who already failed in the SEC at Florida. And it's like, okay, let's see if this guy can drive. You know, we knew he drove a Ferrari and he ran that into a lake. You know, let's give him, let's give him a, you know, sort of a used BMW and see if he could drive that. I mean, if you can't drive a Ferrari, you're not going to be able to drive South Carolina to anything. So Billy Napier is my choice because Hugh Freeze is the same way. Hugh Freeze had his chance at Ole Miss. Didn't Ole succeed. Miss a Ferrari? No, 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 no. It was not a Ferrari. I will. Do, I'll give you that. He he tried to make it a Ferrari with some shenanigans, but um, no. He's but again, why do you want to keep re, re, retreading SEC coaches if you're South Carolina? Start something new. Maybe you get lucky. It, like that guy up the road at Clemson and he turns out to be a great coach, Billy Napier. This is the job he's been waiting for wanting. And he turns out to be the guy that makes a difference for you. So I don't know, but again, I think it's, you know, and, and again, the players are outraged mid season COVID, all this other stuff. And I think people have really, you know, teams have really bonded through the COVID experience. And, and I think obviously the players like Will Muschamp, but as we learn in this business, the recruits that are disappointed will be so excited about the new head coach, whoever it is. It could be freaking Elmo, right? And they'll be like, I'm ready to play for Coach Elmo. Like, well, but what I mean, their class is ranked 50th. You know, it's that, bad. I also think that that factors in. They don't, who is their marquee guy in this class? Like, they don't have anybody. So, nobody. It, nobody. The thing is, like, I didn't mind the Muschamp hire. I don't think the bar is that high at South Carolina. If he could win seven or eight games, they'd be happy, I think. Um, I know they Spurrier won, you know, 11 games, like three years in a row or something. But, I mean, that that's a modern miracle, considering because Georgia was down at the time. Uh, Clemson yeah, yeah. was down at the time. That's, that's what Mizzou was actually winning the SEC East. And stuff. Right. So, I mean – but you noticed, okay, wait, let's talk about this. You did your list and you put Joe Brady, who's going to be an NFL head coach in three months. Not in three months. No, I don't know if the NFL is going to hand the keys to Joe Brady, who's like 22 years old. Do you want to bet? Franchise. Do you want to make well, a bet? Because I'll lose. You put him fourth. <laughs> you put him fourth on your list of candidates? I did because. First of all, you got to understand that South Carolina, when they make these hires, you know, they hired Lou Holtz, they hired Steve Spurrier, and then they hired Will Muschamp. And they want somebody with head coaching experience, right? And, and Joe Brady doesn't have that. And for whether that's a stupid rule or, or stupid idea or not, that's what they do. So he really, even if he said, you know what, guys, I got the Jets, I got the Bears, and I got south carolina and i want to come to south carolina they probably say no because he doesn't have previous head coaching experience so that's why he's so low um <clears throat> i don't think he's gonna be an nfl head coach next year i think that's a little crazy i promise you he will be i think he could be a college head coach next year but i don't know about the nfl but we'll see about that but i i've followed south carolina football for a long time because when rivals first started i ran the south carolina site when holtz was there and he actually started taking them to bowl games and you know, there was excitement and then Spurrier, obviously, with excitement there. You know, but this is a program that should have high uh, standards, should have high expectations, I believe, because they have one of the best fan bases out there. And I'm not kissing their butt. 
you know, this is a team that went 0 and 11 one year and had 80,000 plus people at every game. And the culture down there is very, very rabid. They're really, really pissed that Clemson's so successful. And I think they want somebody who's going to take them and make them not only relevant in the SEC, but actually going to take them to win the East, you know, every few years. And, and that, that should be their goal. I mean, is it unreasonable? Sure. But that's what they should be searching for. And that's what I think they want in their next head coach. Yeah, I mean, I think they want a lot of stuff. But when you look at the list, it's like, I mean, Napier would be nice. He's an offensive coach. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, Muschamp has his limitations. The good news is that if you say you compare that roster to Arkansas, they've got way more talent than Arkansas does on their team. And Pittman came in and has turned them right around instantly. With zero head coaching experience. By right. The yeah, exactly. No. <clears throat> so, Ray Tanner, just – Take a look at Arkansas and maybe give somebody a shot who doesn't have head coaching experience. No coordinator experience even for Pittman. That's correct. You know, that was – but we also we also thought that was a horrible, ridiculous hire and he wouldn't win a game. Did we? Yeah, you don't backtrack. <laughs> I didn't think they would win a game. I I'll go it, back and listen to my podcast. I'll see what it, let's see. Okay. I thought it was over for this season. SEC only schedule, not an easy schedule either. I thought they weren't going to win a game, but I was wrong. Uh, and, and that makes me a stronger person to admit it. All right. Uh, moving on. Speaking of teams that might need uh, coaches, uh, Michigan, it's over now. We're on the old uh, march to the end here for Jim Harbaugh, right? We're on the, well, okay. There's different marches. So there's the march to the end, which we, which we just saw Will Muschamp take. There's the march through what should be the end, and, and Clay Helton's on that journey right now. And for some reason, he's still there. I don't know why. He's 2-0, okay, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they look like crap. They beat Arizona barely. Didn't cover, by the way, which ugh. beat Barely beat Arizona State. Um, they, they underperform. He's got so much talent, they stink. They're horrible. So I don't want to hear that. Their schedule is awful. Clay Helton's on that march where he should be fired. Hasn't been yet. And I like him. He's a nice guy, but that doesn't matter. Um, Jim Harbaugh's on this path of, uh, what did Gwyneth Paltrow call it? Conscious uncoupling? Yeah. Right? Yeah, okay. That's what he's on the path for. They're not going to fire Jim Harbaugh. They're going to they're gonna have a, a come to Harbaugh meeting, and they're going to say, yeah, this isn't working out. Let's part ways. And then he's going to jump at an NFL head coaching job. And everybody says, who would want him? I could name probably three or four teams that would want Jim Harbaugh. And he'll go on to the NFL. And then they'll probably hire a non-Michigan man if, if they're smart. Because I don't think there are any candidates out there I could see that are going to change this program if Harbaugh can't. And maybe get a coach in there that would be successful because this just isn't working out and I wrote this morning that it's not a coaching issue it's not a talent issue it's these kids are not playing for two of the most intense coaches out there Harbaugh and Don Brown they're not playing with intensity they're coming out flat they don't care they're giving up early they're getting drubbed the Wisconsin game was an embarrassment so yeah we're at the beginning of that um that march but it's a different march for Jim Harbaugh so remember after the first week when you blamed it, they said they hated Shea Patterson. Yep. Do you think that they just have hated Harbaugh for more yeah. than a year now? Yep. And I think the fans have blamed Shea Patterson because the fans don't want to blame Jim Harbaugh. Now right. they do. But for the last many years, they did not want to. You know, oh, well, you know, everybody said he hasn't won anything. He hasn't finished higher than third in his division, all this other stuff. And, and the fans were always saying, well, this, that, and the other. You know, and, and then they would blame, you know, a guy like Shea Patterson when really Harbaugh wasn't developing players. I mean, there's a there's a pretty good list of five star guys that I could name that underperformed at Michigan under Harbaugh. Not a lot because they don't get a ton of five stars, but some guys that, that were more talented than than utilized. And, and yeah, I think I blame Shea because the fans blame Shea. And I thought. They knew what they were talking about, but they don't. I mean, Harbaugh is to blame. That's it. All right. So we, we still don't know if it'll actually happen. I mean, it's, you know, maybe they just part ways, like you said, at the end of the year. He's only got a year left on his contract. And I think that would probably be the better way to go than, than a firing. Um, 
Penn State it loses to Nebraska. They're, I mean, they do not look good at all. They put in Will Levis, gave him some yeah. signs of life. But I mean, they, you know, what? I understand they're without some people, but they just don't look even really competitive. Yeah, everybody's without some people. You know, they, they say, oh, Journey Brown had to medically retire. And Micah Parsons didn't opt back in like most of the Big Ten guys did. And this, that, and the other. doesn't matter. Um, they're underperforming. This has been, to me, a quarterback problem. And it's finally coming to light. You know, James Franklin's a very, very good recruiter. He's done a tremendous job recruiting most positions, except for quarterback. He got lucky. So lucky with Trace McSorley. And again, I love James Franklin, so I'm not picking fights here. But he got so lucky with Trace McSorley because that kid was a safety. And, and he, was, he was quarterback in high school, but he was little. He wasn't impressive. And it just happened so that he fit with the right offensive scheme and they were good. But you look at their quarterback recruiting and it's just average guy after average guy after average guy. They're not getting the elite ones. Sean Clifford replaced by Will Levis, who will be replaced by some other average quarterback down the line. That's a big issue. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Am I worried about Penn state? No, because I think, I think this is just, just chalk it up, man. One of those years where zero is going to go right. And, and they'll be okay because of, of his ability to recruit and his kids play for him. But the quarterback situation has to be fixed. I mean, who do they got in this class? You and I both saw him, right? Christian well, Blue. The Canadian kid. Yeah, yeah, the French flyer or whatever you want to call him. And just that's not the solution. We remember the last time they took a Canadian quarterback member, our boy Michael O'Connor. Yeah, didn't work out. Hey, he so, was a first-round pick in his CFL. So I'm telling you, McSorley. He, but what are Penn State's – fans want you want you want bill o'brien back <laughs> he, he traded new hopkins he's he's he helped transition penn state from possible decimation to heartbeat james franklin has taken them back into relevance and that's the guy they're going to stick with and stay with and he's not going anywhere um even if they go what how many games they play in nine he's not going anywhere sorry well, the, the the thing is a lot of these schools and we're seeing it at miami the right grad transfer or transfer QB can change everything. Like go, go get a good quarter, go get a good quarterback. Like I'm right. sorry, you know, no offense, Sean Clifford, Will Levis. Okay. I mean, I think we had Clifford ranked pretty high. If I remember, he came to the five-star challenge, right? Um, yeah. A nice kid, you know, four-star kid game manager. If you have the slew of running backs around them, and you have a good offensive line and you have some playmakers or wide receiver, you can do things. But what, what amazes me is what you just said right there could be said to James Franklin, or it could be said to Kirby smart. Um, it could be said to clay Helton. He got lucky with Slovis, you know, that he turned out to be as good as he, he is and he's okay. I don't understand in this transfer portal day, how you don't have, multiple quarterbacks that you can rely on and we see why teams like Alabama are continually successful in Ohio State and 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 Clemson because they year in year out have somebody I mean if you kick Joe Burrow out of the nest and you're still fine you're Ohio State right but if if you don't recruit quarterbacks for a couple of years in a row like Florida State or or if you screw it up like Georgia did or if you recruit average quarterbacks like Penn State you're in big trouble well and I mean even if you look at okay look at a school like uh Oregon okay Herbert leaves and I actually this is why I was suspect I was like you lost the, you know look how good Herbert is in the NFL like I mean you lost a really good quarterback well what did they do they went and got a Anthony Brown from Boston College starting quarterback now he didn't win the job uh, but you've got him there. Like, why not have options? This is, I don't, he, they bring him in to push Shug or Shaw, however you say Shoff, because it's spelled like Shoff. <laughs> I, I mispronounce names on purpose anyway, so let's go Shoff. But anyway, I'm just saying, like, it's, to me, I mean, even, you know, a school like, like Tennessee, like, what did, 
how did they not get a transfer quarterback? You know, like um, <laughs> Tennessee didn't want to. They didn't want to screw up their current quarterback room. Okay, I don't that's know. true. It's one hundred percent true. And you know what? That's what a lot of schools look at, and they say, "Listen, you know, we've invested in these guys, we've coached these guys. We don't want them to lose confidence. We bring in a transfer quarterback; it's going to rattle them a bit." And there's mercenaries out there, yeah, like you know Nick Saban or whoever. Be like, I don't care who you are. I don't care if I recruited you or didn't recruit you. You know, um, I'm putting the best guy in there, whether he's a transfer or not. Oklahoma, same way. And, you know, you just, I guess different people deal with that situation differently is, is some of them coddle quarterbacks and some of them push quarterbacks and Tennessee is coddling quarterbacks. Right. Like, well, there was a lot of schools trying to get Jamie Newman that have quarterbacks that are playing now and are doing well. Like you said, you gotta be, you can't, you can't worry about, you know, Oh, I'm going to make the guys, especially, I mean, like I said, the Tennessee situation is a perfect one. Even even Nebraska, like they're rotating two guys in now. I mean, you know, a lot of these schools could have had Jaden Delora. I hate to say. It. Oh God, here we go. Here we go. The Hawaiian Woody is uh, living in Atlanta. <laughs> hails from Oregon, but he might as well be Hawaiian. Just uh, check your DMs, uh, coaches around the country. <laughs> well. And, and then you go on the guys, like, and then they, they become, uh, you really have to, like, you have to manage quarterbacks the right way. Because isn't Gabby a starting for Washington State now out of necessity? No, but For Oregon State, yeah. I mean, for Oregon State now, which Oregon State, out of necessity. But um, it's not like he was great. You know, he kind of, you can't, didn't have the best arm in the world from Calabasas. But he was a kid that they really liked and they thought they could develop. And he's gone within a year. And. Martinez doesn't work out and then you're you got McCaffrey running the ball all over the place it's just like you got to manage it very carefully and delicately um, it's hard to do but the great coaches can do it um, without a problem and and the Ryan days of the world say okay you know Haskins my starter bye Joe I'm gonna be okay without you and if I don't have a quarterback that's as good as I want, I'm going to go get one like you did with Justin Fields. And those are the guys, like I said, mercenaries are going to continue winning national championships, period. All right. Uh, we had a bunch of cancellations. Basically, the whole SEC slate was postponed or whatever. Is it time to push the playoff back, Mike? It's be so simple. Just push it back. Let us get some more games in. Let the Pac-12 teams get some games in. Let the Big Ten get some games in. If the other teams complete their schedule, they could relax. But I mean, it's just, I feel like it's more TV money. What's the, what's the big deal? What's the rush? I think they're going to um, really, I think they're worried about having an extremely watered down playoff if they push it back any further, because so many of those players on Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State or whoever are just going to say, no, no, it's getting too close to the draft for me. I'm not going to wait until late January. Um, you know, I got the combine coming up in two months. So I'm, I'm not going to play your delay games. So what I think they should do, honestly, is just say, okay, we're going to eight this year, you know, and we don't know what's going to happen with the PAC 12, but we're going to take one from each of the power fives that are playing, you know, and then we're going to take three wild cards and just have some fun this year. The problem with that is, it would be so much fun that they would have to do it every year. But I think this is the year to really pushing it back is the smart idea, but we got to eliminate that because that's probably not going to happen and just go with the throw your hands up and let's get eight teams in here. Can you imagine how cool it would be, you know, to see, you know, like a Cincinnati or an Indiana or somebody else like that in a playoff. It's not going to happen with four. With four, we're going to have four power five teams. And I've already said it's done. It's Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. It's over. It's done. And that's it. But with eight, you get some real intrigue, and but that won't happen either. So now you want Cincinnati in after your targeted – I want them for eight, not for four. Your targeted campaign at UCF for <laughs> a year 
cares who like <laughs> it's not a okay so here's the thing about ucf ready it's not a targeted campaign they're just very very annoying and full of themselves okay you don't declare yourself the national champion you just don't right somebody does that for you unless you're alabama with or uh their claimed titles or auburn or a school like that. at least they have they have multiple ones that they could fall back on. I mean, this is UCF just making up a national championship one year. Yeah, but it was all a joke. That's what I'm telling you. It was all a PR stunt. It worked. It, it was a tremendous PR stunt, but it was not a joke. Trust me. There are UCF fans. There are UCF alum. There are UCF players. There are UCF administrators that think they won the national championship, that have hung a banner, put up statues. It's, it's not a campaign against UCF. It's just the amazing level of annoyance that comes with declaring yourself national champion people get annoyed with me because they think i call myself the godfather i didn't call myself that somebody else did if i did i'd be a real tool you didn't even like, get my godfather reference when i did that announcing video uh at the oh the one at the where were we in atlanta yeah yeah i didn't no, no. but you were that was, that was like day day three and i was very annoyed with you by the time we finished that so, so you're screaming into a microphone i'm so, sitting there like is this gonna ever end everybody lo hey everybody loved that that was the hit of the <laughs> it's the hidden gem on youtube if you can find it yeah that's right people <laughs> use it to make fun of me all the time and go like this is so cringe i'm like guys it's a joke man yeah i know do you think that's how you are all the time right yeah just give me a but if you give me a microphone uh it's just no turn on back. Just be forewarned. I would never do that. Open, <laughs> Not in a million years. Open mic, I'm talking. All right. Uh, we got some big games this weekend. You're going to talk about more of them. We'll do our little picks uh, later in the that week. make you money. Well, let's talk about Indiana and Ohio State right now. Indiana's a top 10 team. I said this when they beat uh, Michigan. Now they're a 21-point <laughs> underdog to Ohio State. That's a big that's a pretty big spread for that's, that's a lot of points. Um, but it's not a suspicious line, you know, like how some things like Virginia Tech favored by two over a top 10 team in Miami last week. Right. Suspicious. So you thought Vegas knew something. That's that's a typical line for Ohio State because they are that good. Um, and we really don't know if Indiana can hang with the big boys yet. I mean, who have they they've beaten? You know, Penn State, who's got zero wins, Rutgers, who perennially stink, Michigan, who's got one win and they stink, and Michigan State is horrible. So I love Indiana's story. I love Tom Allen. I think he's going to stay there forever. Uh, you know, it sucks that his son got hurt. I don't know if you saw that, but he's got season ending hip surgery and he's out. But Tom Allen is a great coach. And his dream job is Indiana, which is cool too. Um, but 21 is, is normal. I, I don't think that it's really strange. Yeah. I might, uh, if I was leaning right now, I'd probably lean towards the Buckeyes, but I might say they could keep it close in the first half. Tom Allen's got, they got, a, they got a good defense. Yeah. The question is, can they move the ball a ton with our boy, Michael Penix? So I don't know. That's going to be a fun game to watch. I, I you know why betting sucks, Woody? Why? Because, if you lose, you have to pay. And that's, I hate that. So let's say I took Ohio state and I'm laying 21, but because I feel good about them. And in the end, let's say they run out to a 10, nothing lead. The whole game's ruined for me. Cause then I'm like, you know, Oh, come on. Like we got to cover 21, blah, blah, blah. I think they can win 40 to, I don't know, 14 right. possibly, but I also think this could be a game where, you know, Indiana hangs within 10. So I don't know. I don't know. I suck at gambling. I don't want to anymore. And it's hard to stop as you know. All right. Uh, let's do your Heisman watch. Talk about being a, a, pr a prisoner of the moment. Uh, Mike Farrell. Special. Oh my God. No. Okay. Go ahead. Continue your insults. <laughs> so let's hear it. Prisoner of the moment. Everybody didn't play. So Kyle Trask is number one, right? Absolutely. First of all, he's reached, what number was it? 28 touchdowns, faster than any other quarterback in the wow. SEC. Congratulations. He lost to Texas A&M. You're out. Remember when you used to lose a game and you're out of the Heisman race? No, 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 no. So for, first of all, yeah, oh, great. Let's have like a, 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 you know, 
Mark Wilson as our Heisman Trophy winner for the 12 and 0 BYU Cougars. Whoop de doo, you know, or, or Andre Ware at Houston. I know Mark Wilson didn't win it, but Andre Ware at Houston who put up 18 billion yards and they went nowhere. No, no, no. This is an all SEC schedule. He's ahead of Tua. He's ahead of Burrow when it comes to reaching the 28 touchdown mark. Kyle Trask. Now, I said back in January it wasn't elite, and it wasn't tongue-in-cheek. It was like Florida fans thought he was elite. I'm like, no, he's not elite. Well, he is. He's elite, and he's my number one. Mac is number two. Fields is number three. Trevor's missed two games. It's fading fast. Trask is it right now. Prisoner of the moment. Here's the issue. If if, Mac Jones doesn't need this, Mac Jones could have got to that number if he wanted to keep throwing. They they take him out. They don't, they're not, their defense doesn't give up 50 points a game or whatever 35, 28 to Georgia, 41 to Texas AM, like even South Carolina, 35 to Ole Miss. He has to keep throwing because the game is close and he's in the game. Mac Jones is chilling on on the bench in the fourth quarter. Chilling like a villain, right? I'm, well, just, I'm just saying, like, I don't have anything against Trask. I'm just saying. They gave up 24 to AM, 48 to Ole Miss, 24 to Georgia. This isn't the Alabama defense that Tua had where, you know, 10 nothing, the game's over. We can get him out of there at the half, which they should have done, and they would have saved his hip. It's a little different. And Mac's not – and Mac's good, but I, I don't think he can just dial in numbers like Trask is here. Trask doesn't have the weapons. They don't have an Aji Harris in their backfield. He doesn't have the offensive line. They don't have four potential NFL starters on the uh, Florida offensive line. He didn't even have pits this last game. They don't have great receivers, as you know. He just doesn't have the same weapons. So, you, you know, you're not comparing apples to apples here. Okay, well, I'm just saying uh, Kyle Trask has 2,171 yards passing. Do you know how many Mac Jones has? No. 2,196. Well, you know who has more than both of them? <laughs> Sam Howell. Of course he does. Sam Howell's pretty good. I put up, did you see that tweet I tried, uh, you know, just to get a conversation starting, but I didn't write it right? No, I didn't I said, see it. I, I, said, I, said, I said, it was supposed to be a question mark. So I was like, Sam Howell is the best quarterback in college football. You know, hit like for yes, retweet for no, or whatever. I, it's something stupid. You know, it's, it's this amazing social media ability that I have. And uh, it came out as a fact, like Sam Howell's the best quarterback <laughs> and everybody, I mean, I got killed for two straight days. Um, but he had seven touchdowns this weekend, you know, one rushing, six passing, and he's putting up great numbers too. So I, I have him ahead of Trask on my quarterback list. I had Trevor, Justin, Howell, Trask, but I have Trask number one for the Heisman because the Heisman's different than sheer talent. It's, it's more about how the team's playing. Okay. All right. Let's talk about rankings. Uh, we just were on the phone for what feels like 10 million hours <laughs> talking about rankings. We wanted to do a lot of videos and do a lot of podcasts, but this is the first time uh, this cycle really that we've had a debate for number one. So let's talk about uh, the challenges we are facing here with our current number one player didn't have a season. Mm-hmm. Other other guys have played national schedules. Other guys have played their regular schedules. This is it's got to be one of the hardest number ones we've had to pick in in a, a, quite some time, right? Yeah, and we we were on a good streak too because 2018 was Trevor and 2019 was Stingley, and last year Brise and he's off to a good start. So we're on a little roll, and then COVID hits 2021. So now it's sort of a crapshoot. Before that, though, we made these amazing changes. Um, Deshaun Hand stayed number one over Miles Garrett. Please don't remember. In one of the most contentious Woody versus Farrell rankings calls ever. I'm just ignoring what you're saying. But did you remember how mad I was? Of course. Listen, I'm just going to say. The people don't know. The people don't know this, Mike. The people don't know everything that goes into everything, though. (laughs) You know what I mean. They don't know. They don't know. (laughs) I know. But we're here to tell them the argument. I'm just saying that was an epic. I was such I was such a baby. I have so much stuff to say about that that I can't say. I'm going to say it for my book, right? Because I can't. I just can't. but let's just put it this way that, you know, yeah, I love Deshaun Hand. I love Miles Garrett, but 
we stuck with Deshaun Hand, and Miles Garrett turned out to be the number one pick in the draft. We flipped Byron Cowart and Josh Rosen because Rosen didn't show up to the Under Armour game. Rosen ended up being a first-rounder. Now he's already in an NFL bust. That's because of his attitude, not his skill. And uh, Cowart's in the NFL. You know Byron's back on Twitter? Oh, is he? Yeah, he's back on Twitter. So it says, your contact, Byron Cowart, is back on Twitter. And he wasn't verified yet, right? But it looked like him. So I, I, I followed him, and he followed back immediately. Mm-hmm. And I, I sent him a DM, and I said, is this really you? And I wanted to see if it was him. And he goes, yeah, it's your five-star bust. So I knew it was him. He is still so pissed off. So pissed. At you or him for being the bust? At me, because I wrote that article. I mean, he referenced it in numerous newspapers that we wrote the five-star, like the, the biggest five-star busts in history of rivals. And before he went to Maryland, he was one of them. He was so upset. But I lied to him. I said, you know, my, my editors make me write stuff like that, Byron. I still love you. But he didn't respond. But he's he, back got, on he has 17 tackles this season. Yeah. And he had COVID, too. He missed time. He had COVID. So I, I asked him how he was feeling. He didn't respond. He hasn't responded since. That's all he said. Yeah, it's your five-star bus. But I don't know why he followed me then. Um, but again, my point is we were on a roll of ones, you know, back on a good path. And now we don't know. So the debate, obviously, you know, Corey Foreman not playing because uh, of California, not playing. I don't, they're not going to play in the spring. I mean, come on, that's not happening. Well, and even if they did, he shouldn't play, to be honest with you. Well, yeah, but you, you, you might. I mean, you just don't know. But they're not going to. And, and then you've got, you know, other candidates. And I don't want to name too many names, but you've got some offensive tackles up there. We've never had an offensive tackle finish number one. Chantrell Henderson was number one at one point and finished, I believe, number two to Reuben Randall. Andre Smith finished number three one year, and so did DJ Humphreys, but never had a number one. And uh, and then you get you know, you've got some quarterbacks up there. Um, you got D tackle, who, who's awesome, you know. So I'm not naming names, but I'm just saying it, it was a f- well, it wasn't fun. It was an interesting debate. People who say that. You know, you have the best job ever. Really need to spend a week on those rankings calls and understand that that's really not fun. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. I would say it's not fun at all. Uh, it's rough. It's rough. But we did. We made good time today, mainly because certain analysts didn't have a lot of moves to make. Uh, well, we also had all the analysts paying attition this time. <laughs> Addition by subtraction. <laughs> shots fired shots fired uh, okay <laughs> all right uh take my guys in order i, I said that <laughs> <laughs> you ready for this guy yep never seen him who is he <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right moving on uh feral versus pro football focus i did not get the name from you ahead of time oh i haven't even come up with a name so i'm gonna come up with a name now we talked about a few guys on the rankings call today that I thought were interesting, but who you got? Let me give you somebody. Hold on. I want to see how, um, uh, you know, skill position players. I, I do do a comparison for me of miles Murphy and Brian Brise, please. Okay. Hold on. Cause I, I have a sneaking suspicion that miles Murphy started off great, but Brise is the higher ranked PFF guy. Okay, so Miles Murphy definitely started off great. Uh, great. He is at eighty-one point eight, which awesome. Uh, that's overall his his run defense at eighty-eight point nine, which is like that's first round pick level now, like coming out. You know yep. what I mean? His pass rush has not been as good, sixty-eight point five. So that's it's not super surprising, but uh, it's easy. He had a really good game against Georgia Tech, uh, of course. Who wouldn't? Um, <laughs> He had a really good game against the Citadel, but he has kind of tailed off the last few games, but he's playing more snaps. He played 60 snaps against Notre Dame, which is a ton. Um, so, but he, I mean, he's having a really good season. If you look at it, um, he's got four sacks, seven quarterback hurries, three quarterback hits, uh, 20 tackles. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive for a dude that was a five-star, but it's not like he had the fanfare, right? Right. If we look at Brzee, yeah, who was our number our number one overall player, he is graded out at seventy one overall. Ooh, that's a lot lower. 
Yeah, so he's right there in the above average uh, range. What I think he's having a hard time with, he's, he's great at tackling. His pass rush has been okay. Stopping the run has been the issue for him. Last three games, uh, grades in the 50s. So, um, and he's playing. The, here's the thing. I don't. He, he. I think he's filling in for Tyler Davis at the nose. Yeah. And he's not a true. I mean, no. we sort of projected him like that, but he's not. He's not used to that. I don't think. Well, remember we moved him from strong side end to defensive tackle, but he's a three tech, five tech guy for sure. So. I was just curious because, um, you know, he's he's got some okay numbers, uh, but Murphy was the talk of the town, and I thought the difference would be much less between them. I thought, you know, if Murphy's an 81, I thought Rizé would be a 79, but that's a big difference. So I have one more for you because this guy I've fallen absolutely in love with. Okay. Offensive tackle, who, who to me is the second best offensive lineman available in the NFL draft after a guy named Panay Sewell. Christian Darisaw from Virginia Tech. Oh, yeah. You know what? I looked him up recently. How do you spell his last name? It's D-A-R-R-I-S-A-W. I did an article like a couple weeks ago on, you know, 10 guys that you've never heard of that are really emerging uh, as stars in college football. And he's one of them. He's a Maryland kid who went to Virginia Tech. Um I think he's just absolutely outstanding. All right. So he's at a 95.5. My gosh. Amazing. I think he's going to be a top 10 pick if he comes out. Yeah. He will know. He definitely will be. I mean, he's listed at 6'5, 314. He sounds like a 5'6, star. What did we rank? I'm going to look him up because, you know, every kid in the state of Maryland seems to be a four star except for the top 10 NFL draft picks. No offense to anybody also he went to uh he went oh he was a two-star coming out of high school nobody wanted probably a basketball kid no no he committed to virginia tech and then he had to go to fork union Oma. in which case we ranked him a four oh a four star five eight that's that's good that's good <laughs> well yeah that's that. that's good the, se- the second time around are we going to take that we're going to take credit for that one yeah oh yeah that's the one we definitely take credit for now again a lot of these kids in these young kids, you know, they're, they're basketball players that switched their focus to football late in their high school career. And you could tell by the way they play and right. how athletic they are and their footwork and all that stuff. I'm going to bet, I don't remember this guy cause he's a two star and I don't really pay attention to two stars cause I'm, you know, verified on Twitter and stuff, but I'm going to say that this had to be a basketball dude. All right. Well, you'll dig into that as we write a million articles about him leading up to draft. But yeah, I, but I love him. I, I, you know, I've, I've watched Virginia Tech for different reasons over the last few weeks. Um, you know, and man, this kid is just going to be an absolute superstar in the NFL. It actually looks like he had basically his worst game of the season, which doesn't surprising against uh, the guys from Miami, but he still was a 78. I mean, Trey Smith would love to hit 78. Uh, oh. oh, there you go with that. And, and John Schumann's still at Fork Union Military and still churning him out there. Um, you know, this guy was in the Crab Bowl back in 2016. I was at the Crab Bowl in 2016. So this is my fault. You weren't at when you, you were you covered a game in 2016. I don't believe that. Yeah, no, I think the Crab Bowl the last time I went was probably 2016. I, I think more like the Crab Bowl hasn't been around for like four years, more like Maybe 20. 2013, if I had to get <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're crazy. Because the 2015 class, I mean, I was all over the place. I was down at Armwood, hanging out with Byron Coward. And 2016 class, I was all over the place. I, you know, listen. Okay, man, man, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about the crab bowl. Anyway, moving on. Forgotten five star of the week. Yeah, guy's not really forgotten, but I'm lazy. Damian Harris, all of a sudden, NFL star. Well, you know, he's the, he's the established starter now at running back for the Patriots. Um, you know when you've, you've become good is when you're in a fantasy football league and you get your Yahoo update <clears throat> that somebody in your league, that guy, whoever that guy in your league is, who makes pickups at 12.01 a.m., uh-huh. 
pick, picks him up immediately. So Damian Harris got picked up like, I think as quickly as humanly possible last week. And now he's the starter. Really nice kid. Um, remember he committed to before committed to before Alabama, where was he going? Michigan. Uh, yeah. And you know, these are the type of guys that get away. And then it was down to Kentucky and Alabama. And obviously he was going to go to Alabama and I didn't know how good he was. That was your state until I saw him at Under Armour. And then that solidified to me, at least his five-star ranking. So, but I like what you tweeted, what you texted to me the other day. I like it better. Contravious street who used to be a five-star at one point and fell to a four. That is to me, is he the one who injured Drew Brees? Uh, yeah, I think so. Who has like six uh, ribs and a, and a collapsed long or something. Contavious Street being in the NFL to me is, I mean, I wouldn't have known that in a million years that that game. Remember how good he looked? Well, he was a classic Woody discovery, okay? Back oh, when, okay, let's go. Back when I used to do, do more work. He messaged, he, he sent me a message and said, I didn't get invited to the Army Combine. Can you get me an invite, right? Uh -huh. So I watched his film and I was like, man, this kid's pretty good. This was when we were affiliated with them, I believe. It might've been the last year. We invited, so, so we inv invite, I get the invite, we invite him. He goes there, I'm in Orlando at Under Armour and he sets like every testing record. It was a total physical freak to the point where he won the MVP and you guys invited him to the game. Remember? Yes. I remember him being at the combine. I remember how he looked like, um, just like he was carved out of marble and I, you know, he just stood out over everybody. And I'm trying to think of what year he was in our rivals. Was it 2015 or I thought he was 2014 and we 2014. So that's the same year as, as Garrett and hand and stuff. And he was, like you said, unknown. He ended up 43rd in the country, a little bit stiff, but fourth at his position um, for NC State. That's that's what he didn't. Stuff. It was kind of like he didn't have the production in high school that we wanted after we kind of jumped on him. And then he, uh, he didn't have offers. I mean, at the time, he think about it. At this time in his career, he had no offers after his junior year. Um and then he blew up and we're like, oh, he's going to, all these schools want him. And then it's like, he's going to go to NC state. And we're like, oh, maybe he's not that good. He <laughs> the production we thought. Then he went to NC state and it took him a while too. Maybe they kind of moved him around. Well, he, they, there was a guy named Chubb there who was yeah, that's true. a little better than him and uh, kind of got all the headlines. So yeah. Well, and then, but, but he was set to get drafted high and then he tore his ACL working out for the Giants, remember? And then it was like, dang, his career's over, basically. So look at this. Deshaun Hand was number one that year at strong side defensive end. Malik McDowell, who went up with off-field issues. Talented. He got drafted in the second round. Yeah, Solomon Thomas, who was a top, what, 10 pick? Yes. And then Contavious Street. And then after that, I'm not going to name names, but there are some guys in here who are just not good. And then you slide down to 11 and you get Derek Barnett who turned out to be amazing. 13, my discovery, Harold Landry, who is with the Titans now. That was a, I feel like that was a joint discovery. Now I'm going to tell you why it was mine. Because I was, I was, I was watching film of Lamont Gallier. Right. Yes. The recruiting service down South had him as a five-star. And I was like, uh, I'm missing something. So I watched game, a couple of games actually. And then a highlight tape. And, and this, this guy, on the outside, I forget what number he was, kept making these plays. And this 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 chubby guy in the middle, who he would quit like every other play, was the five-star. And I said, you got to be kidding me. Like, who is this? And and it was Galliard, who was way overrated, who turned out to be an offensive lineman at Georgia, who's in the NFL now. Happy story for everybody. And then there's Harold Landry, and I'm like, wow. Um, and then BC offered him. And then they had to hold off like everybody down south late for him. Auburn and, was the main. Well, yeah, he turned but, out to be a great player. But you remember we, we like we liked him, and we invited him to the camp, and he was awesome at the regional camp in Charlotte. Yes, uh, and that's when we kind of stuck by our guns and ranked him in the two fifty, even though he was going to Boston College. Uh, and he turned out to be a second rounder, so that worked out well. As I scroll through here, you're right. Okay, Derek Barnett. 
who kept saying he was maybe going to play tight end, which was a major uh, holdup. Him and, and of course, Jalen Ramsey's dad bugging us about him constantly. Um, Then you have Justin Jones, another NC State Rivals Camp MVP. He's still in in the NFL, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we scroll through. There's one name on here that's going to give you PTSD, so keep scrolling. (laughs) Peyton Newell. <laughs> yep, that's the one. I think I think Trent Harris is in the NFL at, at 25 out of Miami. Uh, uh, yeah, I think so too. Harrison Phillips is was it wasn't he a high pick? Yep. Boy, what a year we had. There. Well, that was strong. That's only strong side. I mean, look at weak side. Weak side, you got um, a guy named Miles Garrett in 2014. I still say that in the modern era, you know, of rivals, and I consider it modern era, like. There's old rivals. There's new rivals. The 2014 class was still the, the, you know, that's where the bar is because so many great players, but you got, you know, Miles Garrett, Chad Thomas, who never really, you know, I think he, he's in the NFL, but never really panned out. Um, now forget weak side. They all suck. Yeah. Chad Thomas is currently a free agent he's known as major nine looks like he's focused on his music uh, career he was the third round oh, pick. all right and he's yeah. already out of the nfl that's not- look at this look at look at the look at the class itself at the top i mean it's just jabril peppers leonard fournette adoree jackson kyle allen joe no, i remember because that was like my first full class where i was here from the get-go Marlon Humphrey, you know, Rashawn Evans. These are all like Sony Michelle. These are all first rounders. Sean Watson. <laughs> Cameron Robinson, Dalvin Cook. Um, crazy. Just crazy. Sounds like you should write an article on that, Mike. And then, you know, Quentin Nelson, 29, thanks to me. You know, Deshaun Watson, 31, thanks to you. And, you know, uh, Jamal Adams, who continued to to complain about his ranking he was 38th that year yeah so really really good class um, it was an amazing class i, mean, I don't think there's ever going to be a better one and i think it was the defensive backs in what was it 2013 that that was also way up there was that ramsey's year uh was that 2015 yes. no that was 13 yeah, so the defensive backs in 13 and the overall class in 14 were absolutely amazing. Contavious Street, part of that history, highly ranked at 43, X five star. We got a lot of them, you know, like like Logan Thomas used to be a five star and he's still in the NFL. Um, oh, Logan. You love Logan Thomas. Well, I do because I got robbed of, of, of Logan Thomas's true career because he was not supposed to play quarterback. He was supposed to be a tight end at Virginia Tech. They, they, they lied to him. They didn't have any quarterbacks and they had to throw him in there. He was a five-star. Um, and at the time, you know, he we went to army and, and two of my guys got dinged that year. Um, one was Logan and the other one was no three of my guys, Morgan Moses, who's what, like a 10 year NFL starter now. Sure. Yeah. He got dinged. And by dinged, I mean, five-star to four. Right. And then uh, Ego Ferguson, the other one who was drafted, isn't in the NFL anymore, I don't think. Played with the Bears for a while. But that was a rough year. I, I, I was very upset. And everybody says, well, you make the decisions. Well, no, I don't always. I mean, we we come together as a group. Well, there's been a few years where I've been upset when uh, before I was going to San Antonio. Uh, Nick Chubb uh, being one of them. Uh, Jake Fromm being one of them but you were there last year and <clears throat> i want to know how how you didn't come back and say Farrell michael mayer is a five star you know i was always on the fence about him we pushed him to where 43 or something um let me see but holy now again his hands aren't great right he's still he's... working on that right but he was 6'5", 234. He's got to be 6'5", 270 by now. He's so big. And we had him 36th in the nation. We had, you know, slow glacier turning Darnell Washington at number 32, which, you know, that's corny. Um, he's playing well for Georgia. He's actually not bad. Well, out of these guys, Eric Gilbert will be a first rounder and Michael Mayer will be a first rounder and Darnell Washington will not. I agree. That was our argument, though. Remember, I, I didn't like, I voted against Washington. 
Yeah, so did I. See, that just shows you. We don't always win. LeBron. And, I, and, and I was there for the full week watching him being slow. and He's not LeBron caring. James. That's what we kept hearing. Yeah, well, Corny's had a few good ones, too. I mean, I, I can't blame him for everything, but. Well, you always get, you do this, though, every year. The freshman, you get like, man, we should have done this, we should have done this, and then, like, Mitch Hyatt. Well, he shouldn't have dropped him. Yep. yep. He doesn't get drafted. So. Yep. Jalen Hurd. Yep. Yeah. I plus I revise history a lot. Yeah. If you, if you, if you notice. Yeah, I'm aware of that. All right. So before we wrap up, anything else you want to talk about? Um, we talked about Muschamp. We talked about the Big Ten. We talked about Trask. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Uh, remember we were talking before we started this about some games that should be good that aren't. It kind of ticks me off a little bit, and I'm going to blame these these particular programs and coaches. Like Tennessee's playing Auburn this week. That's supposed to be a great game. I guess, right? yeah, I guess. And now it's crap. Tennessee like, could beat them. I, they beat them a couple of years ago. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat them. But there, there's other games this week that I was looking forward to when I was looking at week 12 of the schedule after they, they came out with this, like, you know, Bedlam. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. This is definitely going to be, you know, one of the keys to who's going to, you know, make the playoff for the Big 12. Well, Oklahoma's lost two. They're done. Oklahoma State's lost one. They're probably going to lose this one. That's not a good game. You know, USC and Utah, nobody cares. <laughs> you, you, know? Know, you just hate the Pac-12. No, right? I know, but nobody does anybody care about that game? I don't know. Okay, what's Utah's record? Uh one and oh zero and zero, zero and zero right they haven't played yet <laughs> i mean poor look at poor cal has cal played yeah cal lost yesterday yeah on a sunday the ucla was horrible also i mean I, listen the pac-12 has one good team they're they're they quack like a duck and that's all i care about this year but clemson florida state is this weekend like Shame on you, Florida State, for just being so bad that you're a 35-point underdog to Clemson and you're not going to cover? Here's my problem. I enjoy, like, you know, I'm a miserable person, so. Yeah, me too. I love watching. I'll watch every second of Tennessee. I'll watch every second of Florida State. Um, of course, I have four TVs, so that helps. But, I mean, for some reason, I just can't help but love, I love, you know, misery loves company, as they say. So, uh, so you love watching Florida State soccer? For some reason, I don't. I don't. I have nothing against Florida State, but I just, for some reason, I, I enjoy, especially when the fans start talking about blaming Jimbo and it's his yeah. fault. See, for years and years and years, at the beginning of my career, there were certain fan bases that hated me so much and were so, when I cared about stuff, like when I took things personally, that I wanted their teams to be horrible. And, and you could say, you know, at the beginning of my career in the late 90s, Florida State was one of those programs. But I've, I've grown since then. And, and, you know, I realize now that the college football needs Florida States and Miamis of the world to be good. They need Texas to be good. You need USC to be relevant. You need these teams. I get it's a cool story when you've got Indiana in the top 10. I love that. That's great. But... The power teams need to be powerful. Well, Otherwise, you've got Liberty and Louisiana and Marshall and BYU and Cincinnati in your top and Coastal Carolina in your top 25. And, it, and college football just looks like crap. Yeah, I mean, I don't enjoy The problem is I get tired of these prolonged, oh, what's wrong with florida state are they, are they turning the corner no they're not they're gonna be bad all season they suck <laughs> like there's nothing to really talk about uh at least some of these other schools have you know hot seat situations but i mean i feel like tennessee has been the exact same for a, the entire time i've paid attention to them which is like a decade yeah no they haven't been good i mean i when i started fulmer was the coach um you know things were good I remember in the early 2000s going to the coaching convention and, you know, Philip Homer was the head coach and they had one bad recruiting class. I think it was maybe 2004 or something, you know, and we didn't rank it that high and he was upset about it, but they were really, really relevant then. And obviously things changed 
with Dooley and then the Kiffin, you know, leaving in the middle of the night stuff. And Tennessee is a tough sell because they don't have a great home recruiting territory. You know, they're always going into someone else's state, you know, unless they're, you know, unless you get to the Higgins of the world. There's certain programs where it's impossible to suck. And I find it fascinating when, when coaches do suck at these programs, like Texas. How is that possible? It yeah. is not possible. And they've sucked for, they've been bad for a decade. I mean, how uh, do you suck at USC? Yeah, well, Florida State's the same way, man. I mean, that's another one. All you got to do is go recruit. You don't have to go to stupid Virginia or wherever to go get these guys. You're in Florida. You drive up to Georgia, drive across the state line, get a couple guys, go to Alabama, get a couple guys, and then live in Miami. I don't, what else is there to do? Like you're, you're, you should have 18 of your 25 commits to be from Florida. But you can, you can still pick and choose the way Jimbo did. I mean, you can get your Eddie Goldman's and your, and your um, Ronald Darby's, you know, like you can get your good players from the mid Atlantic, but you can't miss. And it's really hard to miss it at a Florida state. And, and now they're a nightmare. And, and, you know, Michigan is another suck proof program that sucks. Um, Texas confounds me. USC confounds me. I, I just don't get it. Like, I'm not saying I could win 10 games at these schools or anything like that, but I, I could certainly, I could, you as I the could coach. <laughs> if you put me as the coach and this is not against Mike Norvell because he inherited a horrible, horrible, horrible football team that doesn't care. But if you put me as the coach at Florida state and give me four years to recruit and I trot out a team against Clemson, I can keep them within 35. Okay, well, well, let's give, let's give Norvell some time. That's true, but it's just it's frustrating to me to see teams like that because, yeah, the fans are super, super arrogant when they win a national championship and they complain about the rankings incessantly. But then when they suck, I don't feel bad for the fans. I feel bad for the program because Florida State should be good, you know? Yeah, they should be, but. They're not. So. so that's another game this weekend. Right? Clemson, Florida State five years ago was like, oh, my God. And now it's just like, ugh, might as well be playing Wake. <laughs> Horrible. So I'm, I'm a little dis- disappointed in those particular programs that are ruining my weekend of football by sucking so bad. And I'm also a little tired of having to toggle out of top 25 and into Big Ten to find Michigan and Penn State. That's annoying to me because they're usually in my top 25 feed. Have you noticed you've been doing that more this year? Is uh, oh gee, wh- where's such and such? Oh, I got to go to their conference schedule. Yeah, that's annoying. That's embarrassing. So you should all be ashamed of yourself. That's what I wanted to finish with. All right, Mike. Well, let's wrap it up. I'm tired of talking to you. It's just like the tenth hour today. I think we've been on the phone together. So and we got to be on again t- tomorrow. Uh, at least at least you know you started at 9 a.m this morning i was unhappy about that um and the only reason i did that because i wanted to get this done in two days and i felt because i want i want guys to be on the road wednesday and thursday that want to be on the road um and i felt that if we started early you know gorney was upset we started at 6 a.m his time but tomorrow's 10 so we can sleep in a little bit longer well, I just, I, you know, I got to go, I got to go exercise, you know, <laughs> I try, it doesn't work, but I try. <laughs> um, yeah, I missed my exercise today too. I got it in, no, I still got some time, I still got in, I got up, I just got up at seven, which uh, was not fun. So, all right, anyway, uh, p- please subscribe, please leave a review. We got, we've gotten one review since you started doing with this, me, with this, with me, Mike, and it was a one star. So go tell your people to give us some reviews, man. I don't have any people, first of all, but this is my new microphone. The other one sucked. They told me for weeks it sucked. I told them it was their problem, not mine. Okay, well, mine. the way that mic works is it, it didn't pick supposed up. to lean it towards me? Like that? No, you're supposed to leave it flat on the desk, and it, the volume was the same. It, you, you putting it close to your mouth did nothing to change the volume. Yeah. Because it's, it, it's a multi – I don't want to – go take a – it was the first class I ever took in college, whatever, you know, sound engineering 101. So, uh, well, I'll, I'll try to get some fake reviews for you if you want from friends, but we'd like fans to actually put comments on there that said, 
that this is somewhat entertaining, although I don't know if it is. All right, let's not now. Let's wrap up. I will uh, talk to you tomorrow, Mike. All right, see ya. Bye.